Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, welcome to another episode of the groundbreaking, award-winning podcast, Rahalastapa. With me, Rich Tang, and my guest, Rob Bryden. Why not go to rahalaspa.co.uk to find out more about this podcast and how you can contribute if you like it lots. Uh, also go to richtang.com slash gigs and you can find out if I'm coming on tour somewhere near to you. Why not come along and see it? It's lots of fun. All right, listen to this now. Bye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's been taking pictures of a four-year-old girl on a toilet. It will be explained. Uh, he's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello. Thank you. Oh, I love to be back. You're much better than last week's audience. So I was. <laughs> welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square. Oh no, shit! It's not called that anymore. Damn. Uh, welcome to Leicester, uh, which uh, is stands this week for Richard Herring's Lightning Strikes Twice podcast. <laughs> More than twice, if you listen to most of the questions. <laughs> Though I was, uh... oh, where's it gone? I was talking to. Uh... I was talking to uh, Matt and Luke uh, Goss off of Bross <laughs> the other day, and Matt from, the, from Bross, he calls it Rahalastapa because uh, the letters R-H-L-S-T-P are important because they personify Richard Herring's podcast. That's what he said, so I don't know if that's going <laughs> to catch on. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, lots been, there's been lots going on this week. I, I, my daughter has turned four this weekend. She's, I can't, I've been a parent for four years. It's unbelievable. Uh, she was on the toilet on uh, the, the day before her birthday, actually. Uh, and she was just, every time she was straining to go to the toilet, her face literally changed colour 
to this beetroot red, and it was really making me laugh. She's like the Incredible Hulk. It was seriously like she'd be white, and then she'd go... And her face just went red. It was freaky, and I was laughing. She said, what are you laughing? I said, your face is really funny. And she said, I want to have a picture. I want to see it on a picture. So I then had to take a picture of my daughter. Just a face, I'm not sick, on the toilet. So that she would understand what had happened. So she could see her own face. She went, that's good. I like that, that's good. She said, can we print that picture up and stick it stick it on my wall? And I said, no, you can't really do that. Because if someone sees that, they'll say, why was your, what was that? Why is your daddy taking a picture of you on the toilet? That's... And she said, well, we can't fib. Why don't we just say... That it was, look how red my face is. That's a. Idiot. I'll get sent, I, said I'd get, I told her I'd get sent to prison. She said, we don't have to fib. <laughs> Four years old, unbelievable. Uh, so, um, yeah, look, this quite interesting thing happened uh, this week. Well, I, I suddenly started getting loads of emails from people in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> genuinely uh, and I don't know how old any of these people are uh, but obviously someone in an English class might be kids it might be adults I don't know because they're really good at English these people they're Mexican people and they've all been emailing me this, about the same thing um, so this is from, from Diego I won't give his full name no idea if he's a child or a grown man <laughs> I'm writing this as a task on my English class I honestly haven't the minimum idea of who you are <laughs> Well, that's actually the incorrect way of saying that. But I just, I just hope that I'm writing this letter to a great person. You are. Uh, the question they've all answered is, if you had to live in the burrow or nest of an animal for a week, which animal's home would you live in? That's what... <laughs> uh, the way uh, they, this person wants to live in a cave, I take the bat as an example. The advantage is a shelter from rain and a very silent environment. Silent. Not a very good teacher. Uh, so amazing, the English in this. Disadvantage, it's cold, and can be, that can be handled with a good jacket and a fire. I've thought it through. <laughs> I wish you never read this, but in case you do, I offer an apology. So, so don't, don't email it to me then, mate. So, I think their teacher's called John. I think he's from Churchill School. That's what they've been telling me. Uh, Fatima says, I would, like, I would live like a panda for a week, because they're friendly and protected. And she goes on about their friendliness. Long email, their food variety... Uh, the areas where pandas stay are fooled, fooled, disappointing, of bamboo sticks and have a lowland meat um, location that could stay in the ground instead of being at the top of bamboo trees. Answering the question makes your mind blow. Uh, Which is good. And Rodrigo, uh, who's put as, as the subject heading, yours the beaver master. I think... I think... <laughs> I think Rodrigo knows what he's doing. I'm not... Com- <laughs> I mean, the English is... I don't know why these kids... It feels like these kids are, like, in Groundhog Day in Mexico and have been taking English lessons for an eternity and this is the last day, the day before they, it moves to the next day because the English is so good in these. thinking, why are any of these kids or adults taking lessons? I write to you believing in the new fantasy of becoming a beaver master. It goes on for a long time. There's a lot of stuff. And in the end, it says, I could prove myself so useful, they might even make me their leader and turn me into a beaver master, venerated and adored. They could build a church in my debt name, adoring my ever-so-unusual hands and tools, <laughs> turn me into the new Jesus. I mean, that's so like something I'd write. There's it's lots of just genius Mexican... 
I hope you keep thinking of comedic ways of making people's everydayness more enjoyable. Again, let yourself down at the end, mate. I assure you my teacher was pleased to be lazy for a day. Uh, so that's... I, have to, I haven't emailed them back, but uh, I will. <laughs> there's, there's about 20 of them. Uh, anyway, look, we've had fun so far, but now it's time to move on to no fun. We're going to have no fun from now on. Uh, we are going to move on to our guest this week. Uh, he's probably best known for appearing on the Gus Honeybun birthdays on Westwood TV when he was two years old. That's why we, that's why you're probably here tonight, though he was, that was a, probably a different name. He was also, of course, uh, you might be here because he was the man in crowd in First Night. Uh, you might not know, but he was the first villager in A Knight's Tale as well. He loves being a villagers in night-based <laughs> films. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome Rob Brydon! <laughs> Welcome, come in, sit down. Make yourself at home. Now, I'm not in A Knight's Tale. Are you not? That's an anomaly on Wikipedia. Wow. But I was in First Night, I played First Villager. And what, do you remember what you had to do? Oh, good, do I? Of course I do. I mean, this was my first film. This was the beginning of my, you know, film career. Yeah. Is how I thought of it then. I couldn't get arrested. This is 1994, and I couldn't get seen by casting directors. So Dougray Scott was a very good friend of mine, the actor, Scottish actor, and Dougray knew everybody. So he persuaded Mary Selway, who was the doyen of casting, gone now, uh, died, a doyen of casting directors, to see me. So I went to Trickenham Studios and went into this, uh, to her office, and she sat there. First night she was casting... Richard Gere, Sean Connery, John Gielgud. It was a big thing, you know. Now, all the big parts are gone, but I think as a favour for Dougray, she says, she looks at the list of parts. She says, now, what do we have for Rob? And there's my CV. And she, they, there were marauders in the film, baddies, and there were villagers, goodies. So she, she looks at things, she goes, hmm, marauder? And her assistant sees my height on my CV <laughs> and says, five foot seven. And she goes, ah, oh, no. So I auditioned for the part of First Villager. And I often say that the collective noun, is it, for, for, for actors is an humiliation. <laughs> because I had, to, I had to stand in front of a video camera and these were the lines, because I was about to get shot with a bow and arrow. I had to go... Now, please, I, I beg of you. <laughs> and I got the part. Right. And I went and did it, but and the lines were cut the day before we shot it. <laughs> I, was, I was in Waitrose in East Sheen, because I was already doing quite well with yeah. my voiceovers, you see. <laughs> I mean, I didn't need the work. And I was there, and the, my agent at the time phone said, I got some bad news they've decided to cut your lines because there are maybe three lines. Do you still want to do it? Well, of course, it's bloody Sean Connery, isn't it? Yeah. So I did it, and I'm terrible in it. If, if you see it, I'm overacting. I, I look like Griff Reese jones has drunk too much coffee and... Uh, oh, it's, it's, I, I, 
quiver every time it comes on. Oh, we must check it out. What about Gus Honeybun? Remember being on Gus yes, Honeybun? Yes, Gus Honeybun, for people who don't know. that was Everyone knows who Gus Honeybun <laughs> is. That's Westwood Television, was the ITV uh, franchise uh, in the west of England, and you would also get it in South Wales, depending on which way you... Well, you, yeah, you would have I was in it, Cheddar, yeah. and we, yeah. some, we got HTV That's right, Wales yeah. or West. That's well. right. Yeah. Uh, but it was Westwood, and he was a little uh, cuddly uh, rabbit, yeah. and he would sit with a presenter, and they'd read out your birthdays. Yeah. And they read it out on my birthday, and all my aunties were there. And the minute they mentioned my name, all my aunties went, It's Robert! It's Robert! It's Robert! And I didn't hear a bloody thing. <laughs> what, did, uh, what did Gus do for you? Was it he, bound, he hopped. He, he bunny, hops. bunny hops. But he could do lots of things. He could wink. He could... The magic button was what you wanted. He pressed the magic oh, button. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and the kind of chroma key yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, Yes, I'd forgotten about that. Who was the host with, with, when you were two? Was it Fern, Fern Britton? No, it? no, it was the guy. It was the bloke. The, Alan, the Alan. Grey-haired guy? I was or bald, wasn't he? I remember as being bald. <laughs> Alan. Ah, uh, uh, I want to say Honeybun, but they weren't related. <laughs> Maybe it was his dad. It might have been to begin with. He'd had a thing with a rabbit. I don't know. Um, I'm quite obsessed with puppets for lots of reasons. Hartley. Uh, in my, in my, Hartley Hare? Hartley Hare, yeah. Yes. One of my first impressions yeah, was yeah. Hartley Hare. Can you do it now? <laughs> peak, peak. <laughs> the problem with this is most of these people would not have been born when Hartley Hare was less on TV. It's not going to stop me doing my act. I was... I was <laughs> I was in the gym today and there was a guy... What were you doing there? Had you lost something? I was doing some running. Oh, you just got lost? You'd lost your way? I was doing some running on the running machine. Were you? And I went into the toilet. Just out of interest, what setting was it on? (laughs) Nine kilometres an hour. I'm a very good runner. Uh, And... um, And I went into the uh, toilet to do... I was going to do a wee. Of course you were. Uh, And... uh, there was a man at the to- in the toilet just really spraying, like, uh, you know, cologne onto oh, himself. Like, loads. No, that's not good. Really loads. But I, w- I wanted to go to him, splash it all over. But he was about 23. <laughs> so he wouldn't have known what he, <laughs> he was. He wouldn't have known what I was doing. I, and that's I the terrible not. thing about becoming an old... Uh, remember Splash It All Over? You remember, don't you? That was like, that was like Henry Cooper had stepped out of the TV. One of the way I did that. One of us is a very good impressionist. We might do an impressionist <laughs> off like <laughs> <laughs> Splash it all over. Sometimes Barry Sheen would come in, wouldn't he? Kevin oh, Keegan. Kevin Keegan was anyway, in as well. That just made me think of that. Um, now I was going to say, I've written the uh, intro to uh, Zippy's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of my league here. <laughs> that's that's the circles I move in. Um, I want to, but you, and there's another puppet based thing I want to talk to you about, which is your fear of Basil. You had a fear and obsession with Basil yeah, Brush. Yeah, it's a, true, I loved Basil Brush. Um, but as a kid, I was also had a strange sort of fear of him. And my dad used to say to me, I'd say, well, what would happen if Basil comes to the house? And my, da- <laughs> and my dad would say, don't worry, if he comes to the house, I will get hold of him and I will throw him over the back wall. And we had, a, we had another, not a puppet, we had, we had, I had a Noddy, you know, Noddy, I had yeah. a figure of Noddy. And we used to call the, the box room the Noddy room, maybe because he, he was kept there. And I was in there once and the knob, uh, stop it, <laughs> the knob came off in my hand at the, the door and I couldn't get out and I was shouting and I got hoarse and it was traumatic. <laughs> so I've had a lot of... 
puppet. Puppet based. I've, well, I've got some puppet based trauma. I don't want to go into it. But I am. Um... Do you think with. Oh, I'm gonna, no, I was going to say something dreadful. I stopped myself. There we are. <laughs> Carry on. Well, it's... <laughs> Well, I would say Basil Brush, you know, was, it was good you were fearful of him because he was a 70s entertainer, so you had the right instincts. But I think the thing with Basil Brush, if he did abuse any young foxes, they'd all be dead by now. That's the beauty of being a fox. I did interview Basil Brush. They don't you... have a long lifespan, so they won't. It'll be fine. I became a radio presenter in the beginning of my career for Radio Wales and I interviewed all sorts of people and Basil Brush, the original guy, I did Basil Brush on the telephone and so it's down the line and he becomes Basil and it was a genuine, it was a thrill because he was talking like that, hello Mr Rob, hello, hello, come on, come on and and he did and he would, I remember on the first... It's a good impression young people, that was a really good... good. And he did a, he did a, he did a poem, he always do the... The girl stood on the burning bridge, her leg was all a quiver. She gave a cough, her leg fell off, and floated down the river. <laughs> and when we did the first trip, um, we're in the restaurant doing the very first one. I'm running out of people to do, and I did a bit of that. And I said, Come on, Mr. Steve, come on, Mr. Steve. And you could see him getting livid, you know, because he felt this was beneath us. <laughs> and, and when Michael Winterbottom would come in in between takes, he'd just walk away going, Do more basil. <laughs> And you see Steve going, um, And I, was, I wondered what the wild mandango was. You mentioned you had a character called the wild mandango in your... Yeah, it was, a, was, that? was I don't know, it was just sort of a... I, sort of like a wild... I don't know what that was, but I, my friends remember it more than I do. Like a sort of... Kind of savage. And I would run around. It was a bit like that guy in the Wacky Races, the one with the, with the club. Oh, yeah, the club. A place. bit like that. And it was... I, yeah, it never... It was, I think it, it gave me an excuse to chase girls, you yeah. know. But different times... <laughs> Do you remember Bailey's Comets? Because no one else does. It was no. like wacky races, but they were no. on roller skates. No. No one remembers it. I remember the double deckers. Yeah, well, everyone remembers the double deckers. Uh, she does. Yeah. <laughs> I watched an episode of, uh, of Bailey's Comets on YouTube, so it did exist, and I didn't make it up. So there we go. Uh, anyway, uh, Stuart Lee wanked me off with the ventral wrist dummy. That's, that's, it'll, come, it'll, come out of, it'll come out eventually. <laughs> yeah. it'll eventually, it'll come out. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm obsessed with that. Oh, by the way, my mum and dad... I was with my mum and dad yesterday because they were at my daughter's birthday party and they wanted to say send you their regards and say how much they both like you. Didn't say anything to David Morrissey. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if they're big Walking Dead fans, <laughs> the Red Riding Trilogy fans, but... They love, a, they, love they love a cruise. They love a cruise. <laughs> they do love cruises. There we are. I must say it's nice to be off that ship. <laughs> They're going for a cruise for their gold, their diamond wedding. I got the whole story yesterday. Oh, that's nice. Where are they going? They're going round Great Britain. Round Great Britain? <laughs> Is that what I sweat oh, blood for to persuade oh, people to go round Britain? Oh, They're in a brand new. I shouldn't frame of on, mind. I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I don't think any people who go on cruises will be listening. But it was my mum and dad's gold, oh, diamond wedding mm. anniversary this mm. year, so they've been married for 60 years, and they were together for n- another nine years before wow, they got married. That's something. Wow, something. Um, and uh, they ran, they, there's this new cruise liner. I don't know about cruises. You might know what it is. I'm something, so it's the I'm inaugural, something of an expert. It's the inaugural journey of this. They're just, 
They don't want to go too far from the land, I guess. In case <laughs> they want to always be able to see the land, just in case. <laughs> so they managed to ring up and say it's our diamond wedding. And can, it was all full, and they said, "Oh, we have got one that we can do." They said, "My mum's a bit, isn't there a?" Really? There's a waiting list, they said, for you guys. You can have it. So, screw you, other old people. They have morgues on these things, you know, because someone always dies. <laughs> what, if you get old, quite a good idea is just to stay on the ship. That's what people do, right? People, old people stay on the ship. Well, it, it changes over, they stay on. Oh, yeah, people, you know, that's true. So there are people who just keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. So they don't have to pay for an old folks' home, and they're on a beautiful... The food's very good, apparently. There is... I read a thing about this, that, it, yes, it actually can work out cheaper. Yeah. You know, people who go and spend the summers, uh, winters abroad can actually work, depending on where you are, not if you're at the Ritz, but it can be, you can be somewhere and, and it's cheaper than being here. Yeah. And it's the same on uh, cruises and ships. Some people just stay yeah. on. I mean, I'm going to encourage my parents to do that, because if they go on a home, I have to go and visit them, right? <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're never going to be that ship. far from the shore. You can visit them quite easily. Just get a dinghy Pop and row. We're stopped up in Newcastle. Ooh. Which is very nice, but, you know, we can get a train there. Uh, so <laughs> Good. Um, anyway, they sent their regards. Um, <laughs> Please give them my very best. I will. And your dad is Howard Jones. I never yeah, knew that. That's, that's very exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah. So in the 80s, when, yeah. when Howard, was, Howard Jones was doing What Is Love and yeah. stuff, that, that would get a little chuckle, you know, with my friends. Yeah. Less so these days. Yeah, no, I did I did a show called What Is Love Anyway, and there's a new, new one came up. Then he had a way, did What Is Love, so people thought, thought it was that. So, you know, you can keep things current. You have a very interesting... Are you a member of the gym? I mean, do you I go... Am... <laughs> I've actually lost one stone this year. So I think I you found it again, though, didn't you? Cleared, I have it. I've cleared a stone, whole stones. Um... You don't want to know what that is about, Robert. I won't tell. We might be friends. I won't tell you about that for a while. Um, so you've got. It's an interesting rise to fame, isn't it? It, it really <laughs> is because it did take. It was you were because you you haven't really done anything else. I don't think apart from no, entertainment that's right. stuff. Yeah, but you yeah. did like lots of voiceovers early on, radio early on. You worked on a home shopping channel. <laughs> I wish I'd see. I must have seen. There's that. So it's on YouTube. I wish it was. Oh, was but, it? But there's some. Bugger is... is uh... You could probably get it taken down. Oh, I know, but you know that would all... I, I, I just know that whoever it was that has this tape, probably somebody that worked on the show, is probably just chuckling to themselves. <laughs> oh, I'll put this on. So, no, I won't. It's... it's um... With things like that, it was just very funny because we, we were talking before the show. You know, I grew up in Port Talbot, and I was very... I think a very naive, you know, I didn't grow up quick. I grew up slowly and I was the older sibling. So I think that has an effect on, you know, I wasn't being exposed to older things, mm-hmm. you know, so I stayed young a long time. And I went to drama school, wanted to be an actor, particularly comedy. And um, then got a job on the radio just by chance, became an early morning DJ, you know, really mediocre, inane. <laughs> Christopher, lady in red, traffic and travel, one, one of those guys, yeah. you know. But I quite, I, you know, I enjoyed it for a while, and, and then I got sacked from there. And why did you get sacked, Rob? Just a new editor came oh, in, Rich. And that's what happens. Uh, that's what happens. Well, yeah. we want to. <laughs> I know. I mean, you stay. are the patron saint of 
you know, but it happens in, in any any creative organization. People uh, start fearing for their livelihoods when a new person comes in because to make their mark, yeah. they've got to have their own people and they've got to make space. But I always remember I, I had I had an agent in London back in those days. Sorry, in Cardiff. And she phoned me up. I was in bed one afternoon, the way you did when you were in your 20s, (laughs) you know. And she said, I've got you an audition in London. Well, my mind raced. Is it theatre? Is it film? Maybe television? And it was Sky had just started up, and they were doing a shopping channel. And I thought, oh, right. Well, London, you know. (laughs) And you do, you're living in Cardiff. The thought of getting to London, it's like going to Jupiter, you know. And uh, I'm serious, I'm not exactly, it's true, you know. And you get used to, once you've got something, you go, oh, yeah, but I think back now, I thought, London. So I came up, and not far from here, the audition was off Oxford Street. And you had to sit there and just improvise and sell something. So I sold my sock, and I was quite good at it. <laughs> and they they gave me the job, and I did it for a year, and I was earning the most money I'd ever earned. So, And I was in London, and I thought, well, this is it now. Now I'm in London. But of course, nobody is going to want to know. If you're a shopping channel presenter, they're not going to take you seriously. <laughs> but in the long term, I do think you, if you can go on to doing what you want, you learn a hell of a lot. And I don't know anybody else who has the same career path as me. So you become, there's something special about that. You know, you haven't just come up doing provincial theatre, a little bit on Emmerdale, a bit on Holby, and then a bit more, and then you get your break. Yeah. No, it's, and it's it's interesting that I mean you obviously always wanted to do this, and your family were very encouraging to be, for you to super be encouraging, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the, it was that difficult period. I mean, it sort of it was was it lock, stock, and two smoking barrels that was the thing that tipped it over. Well, it, it lock, stock only tipped it over, not in only in terms of what it prompted me to do. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't get arrested. You know, I was trying to... I keep, people kept saying to me, oh, you're very funny. Oh, you're very, fu- you're very good. You're very funny. And I thought, well, well, but I can't get anywhere. And I remember... I, by now I had an agent in London and I would get the odd little sitcom. I did a, a few episodes of a Russ Abbott sitcom. Um, lovely, lovely bloke. Really tried to help me and, and, and encourage me along. Another one with Gwen Taylor. A bit of that. Anyway... There's a film being made. There's a guy called Guy Ritchie. You've got to go and meet him. And, and I went and met him. Never heard of him. Obviously, he was unknown. To play the traffic warden in Lock, the guy that gets beaten up, you know, and put in the back of the van by those mockney monkeys. And, <laughs> and, and I do it. And then, I, about a few months later... I, you start to hear, this film's quite good. I bumped into somewhere in Wardour Street, because I was again doing the voiceovers, I bumped into Stephen Moyer, you know, who did that vampire show not long ago. Oh, yes, He's doing very well now. Yeah. I'd been in a hat-trick thing with him, and we bumped into him on the street, and he said, hey, you that film you're in? Hey, it's going down very well. Tom Cruise had a private screening of it in Hollywood. <laughs> you go, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> I'm in something that's going to be successful. So anyway, it comes out, and what did change things for me was I used to buy Empire magazine. I used to worship at the altar of film, right? It was like film, film, film. And they reviewed it favourably, and they mentioned me. I mean, I'm in it for five minutes or less. And it said, blah, 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 and an extremely unlucky traffic warden, Robert Bryden. 
And I remember being on the Upper Richmond Road on the way to Pizza Express, <laughs> reading that in the street. And I, and I remember, wow, I'm in Empire. But I thought, quite you know, cannily, I thought, I can use this. I always remember Alexi Sale was asked years ago, are comedians intelligent, smart? He said, not necessarily, he said, but they are possessed of a rat-like cunning. <laughs> and I think, I think that's true. Yeah. I really do. The ones that succeed. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I can do something. I can do something with this. <laughs> I, I get that. I just, and he's not here to defend himself. That's a shame. Um, so I thought I can do something with that. So I had a character that I'd done on the radio called Keith Barrett. And, and I knew that was a good, strong character. So using the money that I'd made from voiceovers, I rented, it'd be different now, you do it on your phone, rented a video camera, right? right? Shot four sketches, one of them in a car, and it went on to become Marion and Jeff, three other characters, with my best friend, he, he came up with me and filmed it, rented an edit suite, wow. I mean, you could edit it on your phone now, yeah. right? And then rented a dub, right? And then went to a printer's and d- designed a cover for the VHS, called An Extremely Unlucky Traffic Warden. And on the back, I put, fresh from his breakout role, all that bollocks, you know, right? <laughs> and then a Rob Ryan, here he is with da da And so now I've got these, these VHSs, I think. I'm on my way. When people see this, things are going to change. And I sent them out in jiffy bags. And then about two, three, four weeks later, they would begin the zombified walk back to my house. And they would come, you'd hear in the morning, the letterbox being forced open. And then you'd hear the manila against the thing. And then... And you go, oh, that's my tape being returned. And it was very disheartening. But I'd been at college with a guy called Hugo Blick. And Hugo was an actor, but he'd now become more involved in writing, worked at the BBC. And I knew he was at the BBC. But I couldn't, in doing comedy, he was in a show called Operation Good Guys. He was involved in the writing of that, which which had won at Montreux and everything. But I couldn't bring myself to send the tape to him, because if he rejected it, that would be awful. Because everybody else was, right? But I thought to myself, and this is where luck and synchronicity play a part, I thought if I were ever to bump into him, I could casually give it to him, you know. And I was at the BBC one day, White City, because I used to, for a while, do. I was the guy that said, and with Match of the Day at 10, that's Saturday night on BBC One. <laughs> There's trouble at Holby at 8. <laughs> At nine, Pierce Brosnan has a recipe for death. (laughs) And with Match of the Day at ten, that's Saturday night. So I used to do that. And I remember, I can remember it so vividly, this would have been 98 or 99, I think. And I had done my little voice, and I'd come out, and I'm walking... Now, the BBC was a big donut-shaped building, a circular, so you could walk round and round the corridors. And I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be good if I bumped into Hugo? And at that second, he walked around the corner. Thousands of people worked there. And I went, like Kramer, you know. And um, I was lost. Um, (laughs) Seinfeld. And um, I went, hello. 
And he went, oh, what, 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 are you, what are you doing here? I said, oh, and he said, oh, we'll go and have a drink. So we go and have a coffee or something. And I still, I didn't have the nerve to give him. I didn't want the rejection. Afraid of rejection. Yeah. Afraid of rejection. It's in my bag down there. And the, the tape is going, what about me? What about me? <laughs> anyway, I gave it to him. said, look, have a look at this. And off I went into town to do another voiceover. And I'm in, I'm in a cafe in town and my mobile goes. And he says, I like, and I put bloody Keith as the last character, idiot. Right, he was the, clearly the best one. And he said, I like, I like the last one. Why don't you come in and we'll talk about it? So I went in. We hit it off straight away. Start coming up with this backstory and what we can do. And da, da. We ended up making a pilot and made the series and my life yeah. changed. It's amazing, but those sort of things are amazing. I mean, Sanjeev Bhaskar was kind of quite similar when he was talking about his sort of break into doing Goodness Gracious Me. And it was just sort of discovered, you know, that, mm. that they almost tossed, I think they tossed a coin whether they're going to go to a show or not. And so that kind of thing where it's literally someone giving it to you've made the table. It's good you, luck. You do need luck. And, and the people, right say, people say, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. That's true, you know. But you, I, I had good fortune that I just bumped into him then. And then and then, I knew Julia Davis because I'd done improv with her yeah. in Bath. And she started working. She came to London. Straight away, she's working with the best people. She's working with Chris Morris, right? She's working with Pete Bainham. She's working with Steve Coogan. Now, he, I just, that's what I wanted to do because, like me, he'd started doing voices. That's it, yeah, I was going to say. And I thought, oh, you know... And he, now he's doing character comedy, you know. I just thought, well, if he can do it, you know. Not in a, if he can do it, but, you know. <laughs> but, but, in a, but, in a, but in a, well, if, if he can do it, you know, maybe I can, because he did a similar sort of background, yeah. you know. And I read that, like me, he'd auditioned for RADA and had failed to get in, and I thought, oh, another thing there, you know. So she worked with him. Yeah. She went on his tour, her and Simon Pegg, right, yes. doing that. And I, I, and I remember the, the first day of the rehearsal, I phoned her up, what's he like? I asked that question, you know, there was such a friend, what's he like? So she gave this tape to him. Oh, right. So that was another thing then yeah, that yeah. helped it. So again, really lucky, you know, really lucky to, to have that connection. But you were working, that's what is quite interesting. You, as a teenager, you were working with Ruth Jones already. You met, you met Ruth I was at school. school with Ruth, yeah. There's a picture of you and Ruth and Julia all in, doing in project. That's a little bit later. So Porthcall Comprehensive, we had right. a fantastic drama teacher, Roger Burnell. We do a, we do a musical every year, Guys and Dolls, uh, Sweet Charity, Carousel. That's where I met Ruth, about 14, 15 years old. Yeah. You know, we hit it off straight away. We did Guys and Dolls together. Stayed in touch with her. She she uh, joined that improv group that I joined, and Julia. That's where I met Julia. Then, so three of us were in that. And then, when Julia and I did Human Remains, we gave a part to Ruth. Uh, very very funny she was in it as well. So I've known a lot of these people for a very long yeah. time. It's all it's all Wales. Everyone knows each other. Miles, you were at school with Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, I didn't know her though. But I, 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 <laughs> I she's she's younger than me. But I. Um, uh, I, Very small whales, isn't it? Well, it is. It is small. I mean, it's a funny thing that I'll sometimes get people. I don't know. Do you know a chap called the Wellin lives near? Uh, and I go, well, of course I don't. We don't all know each other, and yet more often than not, it turns out we do. Yeah, do 
I did. Um, I, I'd never met Catherine. I keep whenever I'm on uh, interviewed or something by paper, they always say, "And uh, is it true you, uh, you you once stole Catherine Zeta Jones's dinner money?" <laughs> and it's just this dumbass story that when I was leaving school, uh, I was coming to school one morning. Her mother was coming out, and she said, "Oh, I've forgotten to give her her money. Would you give it to her, Rob?" I said, "Okay." And then I forgot and I spent it, and that, that's the story, right? So I'd never, so I'd never met her, and about. Ten years ago, when she won the BAFTA for Chicago, we were at the BAFTAs, and we're at the, we're at the meal afterwards, and I'd had a few drinks, and somebody from uh, her, whoever it was who made that film, knew that I'd been at school with her, came over and said, you're at the thing, you want to meet Catherine? And I well, all right, yeah, crack in. Um, <laughs> so she was stood over there with Michael Douglas, like royalty, and there was a queue to compliment her. There was a queue to go up and say hello. And I joined the queue, right? So I, because I was a bit drunk, so I wandered over. And I'm thinking, right now, don't make an ass of yourself now. Just, just say something nice. We went to a school called Dumbarton. It was a little private day school. Very, very, very lovely, very loving kind school. With a head teacher... Uh, it was Mr. Thomas and there was Mr. Alid, his son, Alid Thomas. He went on to become the headmaster, Mr. Alid, important for the story. Um, so I'm stood at the back of the queue and I can hear her up ahead and she's got that kind of American twang. So people get to her and they say, oh, well done, Catherine. One. And she's going, thank you, thank you very much. And then I get a bit closer and I can hear, thank you, thank you very much. I, I'm thinking, oh, no, don't rock it up now, Rob. <laughs> And I can hear, thank you, thank you very much. Finally, I'm there. And I say, well done on the, um, the BAFTA. <laughs> and she says, thank you, thank you very much. And I say, I went to school at Dumbarton. And she went, really? <laughs> she said, I saw Mr. Alid yesterday. <laughs> well, you're not tempted to give her a lunch money back. That's why I don't say his... His 55p. No, You've got, you got to hang on to that cash, Rich. <laughs> you never know. You never know how things are going to turn out. Um, let's ask you an emergency question. I'll ask you, I'm asking you one from the back. Some people have been cheating and learning the, the, uh, the stuff already. Um, I've memorised everyone. You've memorised everyone. <laughs> um, well, this is a school-based one. What is the weirdest reason you ever skived off school? This is a new question. that Because I, I didn't want to make tea and coffee in home economics, so I pretended to be ill. I was, <laughs> and this is quite interesting. I've talked about it three times. It's not that interesting for people at home because they've heard it. Uh, but I, was, I have the same... I think you and I are similar in that we both wanted to stay as kids as long as possible, I think, really. So yeah. you didn't drink and well, I didn't want to drink tea or coffee. I do not know I wanted to, but I, but I certainly didn't want not to. I yeah. wasn't actively going, you know, uh, I, you know but, but I, I just did. So, and, and also, I don't think I ever skived off Never school. Never skived off. I wasn't that kind of kid. You I know? mean, I wasn't, but occasionally I did. Just... No, I tell you what is funny is you sometimes get asked... Um, you do any, uh, ever steal any things again? Ever do any shoplifting? And a lot of people, well, just the, you know, what, did you ever break the laws of kid? And a lot of people go, oh, just the usual thing, a bit of shoplifting, you know. And I go, what, the usual thing? <laughs> a bit of shoplifting? I didn't do a bit of shoplifting? Oh, do you find that people often say that? <laughs> we used to nick things from Woolworths, you know. No, I did not. <laughs> 
I waited till I was. I, I, oh, started, I would never have stolen start, from the picket. I started shoplifting when I was about twenty-four. See, that's and not I good. Now and I still shoplift yeah. now. No, well, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> trying to go backwards. I only take pick and mix. They're not going to send you to prison for that, are they? But I've had about probably five hundred. It's really expensive. <laughs> it's worth more than gold in weight, isn't it? If we think about pick and mix per per sweet. Get a few of that, one of those every time. I haven't done it for a little while. Um, what is the most unusual thing you've ever found in the embers of a bonfire? <laughs> Come on, you must have got one. All right, let me think. What sort of answers do you get to Lots these of questions? Lots of interesting. Do you interview people with good memories? Because I know, it's, I, it, it's a difficult question. You won't have been asked I before. don't think I've ever rooted around in the you embers of a bonfire. Or just like in a fire I look place. at the bonfire, I enjoy the bonfire, I leave the bonfire. <laughs> I don't got to go, now let me see what's going on here. I found a cat in the embers of a bonfire. Why were you looking? Because it was going... <laughs> oh, it was alive. It was, it was burnt. It was my cat Oscar. We then we adopted it and looked after it. Oh, well, fair enough. Okay, yeah. fair enough. We yeah, saved yeah, yeah. his life, sir. Yeah. All right, well, like, I'm, not, like... I'm not saying I'm a hero. I was four years old. It wasn't that much to do with me. I could say to that, but you see, that's you cleverly moulding your own spirit. I could say to you, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you with a sledge and a ladder? <laughs> right? Right? And you're going to sit there and go, well, I don't know, Rob. I mean, I don't think... Don't think ever don't know. We have a stupid question. And I'll say, well, Rich, when I was young, I put a ladder, an aluminium ladder, at a 45 to 50 degree angle to a wall with the hooks, and this was the mistake, at the bottom of the ladder. And I put a plastic sledge at the top, and I thought, hey, roller coaster. And I went down, and as I got to the bottom, I heard, and I looked down, and the side, it was a Sunday, so my best trousers, the side of my trousers were flapped open. And I thought, oh, that's a shame, Mum will be cross. And then I looked closer, and the side of my leg <laughs> had flapped open. And it was like something from a biology textbook. And I nearly passed out. But you don't have any stories with ladders. I'm going to ask that one from now on. I'll ask that. I'm going to ask David Morrissey. He'll never know it's coming. That story is in your autobiography, which I was listening to on audiobook on the drive down here. You listened to the audiobook. And that bit, Nathan, I nearly crashed the car feeling sick at that bit. So I'm very squeamish. So apologies to anyone at home who is now. Oh, God, that audiobook made me feel sick. I'll 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 listen to you on a podcast and said, Oh, no, he's done it again. That's me, I now feel sick. Um, let's have a look what else I've got for you on the proper question. Let's have a look at the proper questions. Um, this, is a good, this would be a good place to put in uh, an advert. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're putting one of my old ones. You're from uh, Baglan. 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 Yeah. Uh, did you ever meet the Harmonel's Jazz Band, winners of the 2007 World Jazz Band Championships Division 2? Ah, no. Okay. <laughs> They, they broke up in 2011. Did they? Yeah, but they had a great 2007. It was a good year for them. Well, World Championships Division 2, that suddenly is not as good, is it? You've won the World Championships of Jazz Bands Division 2. How big's Division 1, mate? Uh, 500 bands? I would say, I would say, play the room you're in and <laughs> enjoy it for what it is. Okay. Yeah. But no, I don't know them, no. Why didn't you uh, drink alcohol until you, you did when you met Catherine Zeta-Jones? So <laughs> it was by then, yeah, with, with, with the gay See, abandon. I mean, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. But similarly, no, I don't think it's unusual to be nervous about approaching girls when you're a teenage boy. Yeah, but I, what I did, I didn't do it. I, I didn't have that... I, I, well, I must have been given a drink, you know, as like a young teen. First of all, didn't like the taste. Had quite a limited palate, you know, of what I thought was acceptable. I, yeah. You know, I didn't eat a lot of stuff. Um, didn't like the taste and didn't make the connection between being a bit drunk and success with girls. Yes. You know, because I would be at this Christmas disco and I'd see blokes, positively Neanderthal men... <laughs> Because I was always, oh, he's very witty, Rob, he's funny, he's lovely, isn't he? But I'd never had the confidence then, this is with the girls, to, to, to try and kiss them for fear of rejection, fear of rejection. And I'd be stood at the side and it'd be, so this is Christmas, and what have you done? And they'd be over each other. And how the hell is he managing that? And it's because he was pissed. <laughs> well, I ne- and I never did it. And then I got to an age in my... By my twi- and what I used to happen was, the, the rugby blokes would go... People used to say to me, but didn't they take... Didn't they bully you or, or make fun of you for it? It was the opposite. Oh, fair play, Rob, I admire you. I mean, incredible, you don't drink. I go... Some years in. I used to get that a lot from, from these Neanderthal kind of types. So then I'm in my 20s and I thought, well, now it would be odd if I started drinking. That would be strange. <laughs> but then I got to my 30s and that was when I thought, oh, I'd quite like to actually. It would be quite nice with you unwind. Yeah. And that was when I began. <laughs> <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> you brought me a bottle of whiskey, which was very kind of you backstage. Yes, so. I did. A little, yeah. little present, you know. Yeah, it was very little, nice. little bit, just manners, really. It's, That's it's, what it is. It is manners. It's manners. <laughs> I wish I brought you something as well. Mm, mm. <laughs> you could send something if you I want. Might That's send fine. something on you. Hi, Rob. Forgot to give you this. <laughs> Thanks for doing the show, mate. It led it down great. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of my daughter trying to go to the toilet if you like. I'll just text that to you. You've got that on you. That's if it's someone else's daughter on you. For that's wrong, isn't it? If it's... Uh, it's amazing. Great having kids, isn't it? Um, 
So you do impressions, I understand. <laughs> One or two. I, well, I'm, I'm fascinated with this because, like, well, this is what people would, I thought people would do with impressions. You spent a whole, you did a whole Ken Bruce show. Oh, I did, yeah. you were Ken Bruce. I enjoyed that. And pulled out, and you did people not... Re- Some people, I mean, most people are, oh, come on, most people are going to realise either he's very ill, he's having a breakdown. <laughs> That's a hard job. So, right? Some people didn't. No. I enjoyed that. I did enjoy that. The whole show on April Fool's Day. Right. It's a very easy voice for me to do. It's quite close to my own register right. and everything, and... Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was great. It's fun. Like it's interesting with those guys. I listen to Ken Bruce a lot, and I like Ken Bruce. He's great. He's but, you fantastic. know, it is, it is, it is, he's hit a little pattern, hasn't he? The way he talks and the, oh, yeah. and the things yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah. So I feel you're queuing me up. So I, 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 I'm not going to be churlish. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to be churlish. I always do that when you've been interviewed and they start mentioning it. You just sit there going, "Yeah." <laughs> oh, come on, Rob, play the game. <laughs> Let me do mine for. Let's do an impressions. Of all right. Okay. All right. I thought you were doing Benny Hill when he, when, he, when he used to go, Hello, viewers! That's, that's uncanny. It's like he's in the room against his will. Oh, yeah, anyway, talking like that in the middle. 88 to 91, online, on digital. Traffic and travel coming later. Katrina and the waves are walking on sunshine. Friday night is music night. Thank you, Chris. Jeremy Vine. Mine. That's a pity applause. They're clapping for you. They just waited politely till I'd finished. Um, do, do, does Ken Bruce earn enough that he could pay you to go in and do his well I don't know how much yeah. he earns or what I charge <laughs> what would you do I'd like can... to think he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> he must get a bit after all these years whenever I'm there if I'm going on another show I always pop in and say yeah. hello to him yeah yeah he's, like a very he's, nice a nice, he's a nice guy he's a nice chap yeah, a wonderful guy Richard Herring ah well, anyway. <laughs> that's what he says that's, yeah, that's yeah. what he says when he sees me yeah I bumped into in a bar in Manchester. Oh, Richard Evans. I thought, oh, you know who I am. That's weird. Richard Henry, wonderful to see you. Stop going to the gym, I see. <laughs> you should have seen me last year. Now, you, you don't... I do want to ask you about the trip a little bit, but it's a very specific bit of the trip I want to ask you about. All right. When you were in Pompeii... Yes. You saw one of the tragic victims of... Yes. Pompey in a box. Yes. And you decided to do his voice. I did small my, 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 my acclaimed yes. small man in a box yeah. voice. My acclaimed... A number of people who say to me, oh, I love that thing you do. <laughs> and it's such a dumbass, stupid, worthless <laughs> trick. And I go, oh, thank you very much. And they really told you, like, you've just done King Lear or something. <laughs> and it is literally... It's good, but is it appropriate? Oh, look, they're they're dead, their families are dead. Who's going to be offended? I'm very offended. Were you related to that person? I probably am. We're we're all related to uh, people from that far ago. Funny thing from that episode of the trip was, in America, it's a film, you know, around the world, they swash it down into a film size. And we went to Sundance for the trip to Italy, and they're doing that bit, and Steve did a super 
superb, forensically accurate impression of Frankie Howard as we're walking down the street, right? And the camera's behind us, and, and, and he's going, oh, no, yes, to the lava, oh, the lava! And, 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 he's, and it's, it's so good, right? And we, we were sat there in this big theatre for there was the, the show, premiere showing of it, and uh, we're, getting, we're getting great laughs all the way through. It's going, oh God, it's going well, it's going well. Oh, it is. And, <laughs> and then we get to this bit. Because <laughs> they, they thought he was having a stroke or something, you know, because they, they wouldn't know who Frankie was, you know. So that came out. That, yeah. that got edited that out edited then. Out the probably of, should have gone of, of the film, of the film version. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, you're going on tour with. I mean, oh what, yes, yes, I am. What I like about your career, as well as everything in it, is the audacity of it. No, I think it's. I mean, what you've what's done in, with so little. What's interesting is the the, like, the first big success you have is. is uh, is um, the shopping channel the human remains and uh, when you were selling those lawnmowers <laughs> and uh, Keith Barrett yes and these are very cutting edge Ooh. comedy these are working with Coogan and Julia Davis that's what most comedy actors are kind of aiming for they think, if yes. I get there yes. that's yes. all I'll do and I'll just yes. do that forever that's right and what I like about you is mm. that you're very happy to straddle every element of the show business I, I do world. love to straddle you don't Rich, I love to straddle so but you do you know you do proper light entertainment stuff mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. edgier light entertainment stuff mm-hmm. and it's great to see someone you know that's, that's not going oh, that's my box and I'm going to stay in that box and I'm happy to mm. do I'm happy yeah. to do the panel shows and I'm happy to do the silly stuff and the well, fun stuff. Well, thank you. I mean, I, 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 I hope that all those things are good examples of their sort. You know, I, I think what I like to you is, you know, up there with the best it's panel really shows. I, I really do and I'm proud of it. And uh, what, what else do I do? Um, uh, <laughs> other things, you know. I, but I've always, I've always liked all these things, you see. I, when I was a kid, I used to watch Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, who you would say were edgy and, and wonderful. Although I heard you talking to Pete Bainham saying that you talk about Arthur you say, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it was okay but it wasn't great you said the best thing he did was all the, the, the Derek and Clive stuff see I, I, I that's great it's yeah. great but I prefer if I could only have one lot yeah. I would go for their Pete and Dud stuff over Derek and Clive if right. I had to it's never going to happen I'm never going to be forced but <laughs> I had a gun to my head you know it was a strange set of circumstances but um, I, I liked all that but I also used to love watching Des O'Connor I used to love watching Bruce Forsyth hosting the Generation Game. I, I could see the comedic value of Bruce Forsyth in the 1970s working without a safety net, inventing stuff, yeah. brilliant use of the camera, and, and all those things. And Barry Humphreys I used to adore and worship. Um, and now what I find is that I, 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 I think I'm an amalgam of all those things, you know, to, for better or for worse, you know. Well, I think that, but, you know, that's true, but all the people who are edgy comedians would have loved all those things as well. So, you know, that's the, the thing is you sort of, maybe you're, you know, I rebelled against, even against Monty Python after a while, because you go, oh, I love them so much that you've got to go I never rebelled behind. against anything. I but, never, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit backstage, yeah. I never rebelled against anything. I never thought anything was shite. I, I never thought, oh, that's, oh, that's wrong, and I'm going to tear that down. No, I was never like that. I, I was always just, oh I like that and I like that oh and I quite like to do that yeah. oh that would be good to do you know and the stuff I didn't like I just ignored I just kind of freeze it out sure. I can be a bit like that with friendships I'm afraid it's not <laughs> it's, it's not a good quality <laughs> Claire will say to me you haven't spoken to him for ages <laughs> I go I'm freezing them out <laughs> but you know I think if anyone grew up and we're sort of a similar age 
anyone grew up growing up in the seventies, you're watching Cannon and Ball and Little and Large, and like, yeah. you know, I remember seeing Cannon and Ball, and I just love so much. Yeah. Cannon and Ball. I just remember well, great. Being... You don't get to do that, you know. They remember... I saw them at um, when my last holiday before, you know, as a family before you then start having your own holidays. About eighty four, uh, we were in Torquay and went to see them at the Princess Theatre, Torquay. They were fantastic, crying with laughter, yeah. superb. I went to see Ted Rogers in Weymouth with my friends. He wasn't. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very good. Well, we ruined. To be fair, we ruined the show. Uh, any, any t- Did you? Yeah, Did you heckle front, him? We sat in the front row, and there was only about fifty people oh, in there. Rich, why would you do that? Well, I'm now older than Ted Rogers was when we did that to Ted Rogers. So. Yeah, that's a weird, now that's a weird thing. Here's a good thing to do if you have a bit of time on your hands. Um, look at some of your favourite artists, uh, singers, comedians, and look at what they were doing. So Paul McCartney, what was he doing? I'm 53. And you go, my God, he was 53 then? That's really sobering. And then you can look at sort of how long you've got left in terms of look at his life and look at what he's done since then, you know. Yeah. Well, a lot, you know, and you pass people who are, who are dead... Yes. Quite, you know, all the time. Oh, my God, I'm older than... I mean, I'm, we're both a lot older than John Lennon, and I think he probably did better than... Well, Elvis, who I'm yeah. often compared yeah. to. Yeah. He... <laughs> oh, I get it all the... Sorry, not Elvis, Anton Dubeck. <laughs> El- Elvis died at 42. Yeah. I mean, it's unthinkable, it's you know. Terrible. I don't like you calling yourself a small man at five foot seven. <laughs> well, I think it's a funny thing. I, I, get, I get people who, um, who come up to me and they say, oh my God, you're tiny. Every voice tonight is going to be West Country. Right? <laughs> God, you're tiny, aren't you? And then I get others who go, oh, you're not short at all. It's, it's a curious height. I mean, in Wales, it's uh, perfectly average, I would say. <laughs> what are you then? I'm five seven. Are you? Yeah. Oh, you seem taller than me backstage. No. You did insist on standing on that plinth. So. I did, so I <laughs> I'm very pretty. You know, I'm happy to be this height. Oh, I, listen, I, I'm, I, I've got used to it. Would you, would you be... I, was, I think Adam, I was, asking, I was asking Adam if he... Adam Buxton, who's small too. Indeed. Properly small. I think he's smaller than me, he's isn't he? He's a tiny, tiny There aren't man. many that are smaller than but me, so I, really I, sa- like, I savour them. He would really like to be tall. I don't, I mean, would he? Would yeah. he? Would, he? would you mind. like to be tall? Not really, I mean... To what They're end? all pricks, I mean, aren't they, the tall ones? <laughs> Oh, oh, I think I think if you haven't if you haven't kind of accepted how you are at fifty three, you, you really are in trouble. You know, if you haven't come to terms with it by then, then oh, um, you haven't, have you? Yeah, I, haven't. <laughs> I want to be thin. I want to be young. I just want to stay young. Do they have organised classes at this gym? Because I think that might be the answer. You know, maybe if there was just somebody up at the front, you know, telling you what to do. You stay very fit. I, I have. I, yeah. More so as I've got older, yeah. I've seen you with your top off in... Uh, oh, in Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> that was when I used to... I had a trainer then, an Australian guy called Arthur. And Arthur was one of those closely trainers that just concentrated on the upper body, right? Right. So he had great pecs and arms, and it was all this bloody stuff. And for a while, I was in really good shape. But my legs were withered, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, and we did that. I'm the opposite because I like running, so my legs are good. So between the two of us, <laughs> we could make a fantastic short man. But I think, <laughs> I think as you get older, I think mentally as well, it keeps me keeps me on a level uh, playing field and happier. You know, if I, if I, if I feel 
alert and, and, and you know, I, at the moment, I'm on a bit of a kick at the moment where I'm doing a fair bit of stuff. Yeah. And I feel so much better, so much more energised. I was, did you, do you get this? I was starting to drift off at, at meals or, or meeting up with friends and I'd be sat at the table and it would be all right for about 40 minutes for an hour and I would just become one of those guys who goes like this. <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, I've got no bloody energy. I've just, you know, there's no energy. So I, I started to, to, you know, work out a bit and yeah. some cardio and some stuff like that and it, the difference is astonishing. Amazing. Yeah. Because I've got such a, I've got young, so young kids. It's been me very, too. It's me been, too. Yeah, well, how, how old are your youngest? Well, the, I, I've got five. Uh, they are right. 24, 22, 19, 10 and seven. Yeah. In Wales, that's kind of less children than normal. That's, that's <laughs> everyone in Wales. That's they're a very feckin'. That's very a Scotland fecund. joke, isn't they're it? They're very feckin' in Wales. Chris Evans, not that one from here. He's got about five hundred kids. All right. Well, five yeah. is enough, I think. Yeah, I think I'm calling lot. it a day now. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never know. No, really. No, never I do say know. Never. No, I, I have said never. Yeah. Yeah. Have you tied the tubes? Oh no, we're talking about that at the weekend. I went away with some friends for a little mini break. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of them has done. Has one of them done that? I want, no, I don't. We were talking about it anyway. If you ever read, I I read Richard Madeley's autobiography because oh, yes. I I had Richard and Judy on the Keith Barrett show, so you yes. know, do my research, of course. And he writes the most eye-watering account of his. Vasectomy. It's not like Richard to go into intimate details, is it? <laughs> uh, Richard wrote with, with great, you know, he really communicated. He had a horrific one. Yeah. And the way it all it went wrong, and the way he describes the pain, you would never, ever go through with it after that. But it doesn't have... It can go well, can't it? it I mean, it, you know, it can go well if you don't want more kids, but, you know, you're no, in constant it, pain. But No, but you can have it done without, without too much pain, yeah. I think. But I know so many people who've had it done and it's been incredibly painful don't do it yourself that's my advice don't, don't try it don't try it just go to a proper doctor's to do that <laughs> do rather proper... than doing it at home yeah, yeah. go to a vasectomy doctor right. one who specialises in that, that vast deference I saw a picture the other day came up on a Instagram or something of um, of a doctor this is probably a famous picture operating on himself so they got all the sheets. It's giving himself an appendectomy, you know, and they take it out. Yeah, you remember when Rambo sewed up his own arm in First yeah. Blood? But that, of course, was acting. Well, you, you came close. You came, you, you came close on that ladder to doing it yourself oh, yeah. at, a, at a young age. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was what I was thinking. Was yeah, just, well, no, no, my mum and dad took me to hospital and, you know... They, but they, if, you'd, if you'd been a few inches to the right oh, on good that Lord. ladder... Oh, good Lord. That could have been, you know, no kids, definitely... I'm trying to think if there's five, anything insane. Five Welsh more children. than a few inches to the... Well, there's nothing in that. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You kind of think you'd laugh at it and then go, what? <laughs> That's fine. As long as you get the laugh, it's fine. Um, no, I don't like those jokes. I don't like those jokes when someone does something and the rhythm is all there, right? And you get the laugh. And then I, and then I come away going, yeah, but hang on a minute. Because actually... Mm, and I reckon you know that as well. <laughs> but it's interesting. You've done stand-up, but you didn't start as a... Did no, I didn't. No, I came to it quite late. Yeah. Yeah, I came to writing quite late. Right. I, and I, this is an odd thing. I didn't have the confidence. I said to you backstage, yeah. you had a voice very young. Stuff you were doing with Stuart and, with, and, you, and you did the Mary Whiters thing. And all. You were so young, you know. <laughs> what? I didn't do that, but I did on the hour. That was you, wasn't it? I didn't do Mary Whitehouse. We did Fist of Fun. Fist of, sorry, yeah. Fist of Fun. And Pete Bainham was on yeah, that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, right. So I'm, I'm not senile. Um, <laughs> but you had a voice and you, you knew what you wanted to say. When I was that age, I, I would, you know, 
perform and, you know, la, la, la. But I didn't have any angle or, or attitude, and I certainly didn't want to destroy anything, even, <laughs> even with a small D. Because, you, you know, there was, there was an attitude and a sort of slight anger to it. I, I, I didn't have that at yeah. all. Um, and, and so writing, the thought of writing would never have occurred to me. That was something other people did. And it took me a long time to sort of... Um, and now I don't write much. I'd appeared when I did write. Yeah. And I quite enjoyed it. And now I don't. Are you right? Are you doing... Well, you, with the stand-up... Uh, well, the I show, write the... that, but, but sort of... Uh, it's more by osmosis. You know, I'll go yeah. on stage with a few ideas, I'll record it, and I'll come back and I'll see what works and I'll write it down. But I, I to keep it fairly loose. Although, over the course of a tour, it kind of solidly crystallises yeah. and you, you try... You're always searching for that elusive ultimate way to, to, to do it um, so I write in that sense but not in the proper way really well it's hard writing you know, I still do quite a lot of writing but it's hard and thankless and difficult to get stuff made uh, and well again but of... see with that I've been really lucky this thing getting stuff made I haven't tried to get anything made. For, you know, I, I got the Would I Lie To You rolls on, touch wood. I, I hope it will continue. The, the trip comes around every few, few years. And then I, I, I get offered things. I'm not driven. I'm not, I'm not pushing, you know. If it just stays, I don't want it to get any less. But if it stayed like this, I'm the happiest bunny in the thing, you know. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not striving to, to get anything made, you know. I'm just like, yeah, you know. Well, you say, I think I heard you talking about wanting to spend time with your family, which is rather than... Yeah, to do that yeah. Sort of time, ...which is a sensible... Well, that's what makes you happy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. More, than, more than any job or any work. You go, I went to a thing the other night in the, the, on the press line. So what are you excited about? Well, nothing to do with work. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to Oman at the weekend. I'm looking forward to that for a holiday, yeah. you know. But seriously, I, I, I love work. I love doing it. But I, you know, I don't think that's where happiness lies, no. you know. Because you're going to end up going, oh, they do. And, and that's never bothered me. I never had to be number one. No. Happy to be about number six or number seven. Yeah. Stay in the top ten. Nice. <laughs> It's true, but you know, what we were saying backstage, it is. Well, I'd forgotten that Angus Deaton did the first two series of Would I Lie to You. Mm, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. so, the team's so established now, and you've done a lot of series of it, so it's, it's have, been you no, for a long yeah. time. But that's, yeah. you know, the things, that's, I suppose, the thing, when you have that hanging over, you go, oh, they just got rid of Angus Deaton. But I don't think they would do that now, unless you get found you with, n- you know. You don't know, you never know. I mean, that, that, no, but that with Angus, that was nothing to do with any, no, no. Uh, that was just, they just wanted to change, you know, and, yeah. uh, I was the lucky person that was... The, the, I mean, the if they the were going to get rid of one of the people from Would I Like To You... <laughs> I think it'd be me. It would be you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they sure as hell wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, felt, I felt I had to come back with something, Rich. I, I, I felt get... it was a little below the belt, what you did, <laughs> and I had to offer something back. I can't even get on it. I can't even get on to lie on it. I know, I know. <laughs> Rich, a good liar. I know. <laughs> oh, come on, it's been lovely. Why does it have to descend to this? I'm instinctively liking you. Everyone's, Let's just have a nice everyone, time. Everyone, it's a brilliant team. That's what, I mean, it, you are safe with that as long as the show survives. You're, you're safe. You know, but it's... it's, it's, it's a, but, but Richard said we were safe. That's, <laughs> Richard Herring, he said he was... What are you talking about? It's not been, <laughs> but Richard Herring told me. 
It's Rich, it's Rob. Have you heard? <laughs> if I've if I got news for you still going on in 25 years, you'll still be going in 25 years. No, you never know. It's better than have I got news for you, isn't it? Would well, I like that's to? a very subjective opinion, isn't it? I mean, it all depends on what that's like saying bananas are better than oranges. No, it's Maybe better. you like them more. But yeah, it's better. <laughs> it's a fantastic show. Uh, who's your favourite? Is Bob Morty your favourite? Yeah, Bob. I love Bob. Watch the episodes. Look at me when Bob's on and I'm in love. Yeah. So he's always next to Lee over there and I'm in here in the middle. Watch me and I'm like this. <laughs> I'd love him. I just Everybody does, though. Everybody loves yeah. Bob. And what he does is amazing. I, I, I do that, that, that looking uh, thing. I did a thing. Uh, this ties in with you saying I do lots of different things. I did a big show for children in need. Uh, at Wembley Arena with Tom Jones, yes, yeah. right, who I adore, right? And we sang a song. We've done a few songs together over the years. How did that happen? And um, we're gonna, we wanted a, a, a sincere song. So we did, smile, though your heart is breaking. So we'd rehearsed it, and we sing it in front of however many thousand people, and we're on stools in that classic style. <laughs> and he's where you are, and I do the first bit. Smile, though your heart is breaking. You'll get by. And then he comes in. If you smile with your tears. I'm amazing, you know. So, so where do you look? You know, what do you do, you know? <laughs> Because I'd normally do funny things where there's always a glint in the eye or something. So I'm going like this. <laughs> and, it's, and I'm aware. I'm going, don't stare at him, don't stare at him. <laughs> and then I saw him a, a few months later at another thing and I said, oh, I really enjoyed that thing with you. He goes, oh, yeah, it was good, you know. And I said, um, I said you know, we're doing that song. I said, I did I didn't know where to look. And he, and, he, and he said, he said, I know. Huh. He goes, it's always... <laughs> he said, it's always difficult when you're singing with a fella. <laughs> Very good. And you, you became friends with lots of, lots of the people that you um, had looked up to, obviously. And, like, I, I, you know, there's lots of stories about you and Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. How did you and Ronnie Corbett actually become friends? Well, I, want to know. I met him at a, some BBC function with, the, with Ronnie B as well. Right. And uh, I, I'd always gravitated more to Ron, Ronnie C. I always gravitated more towards Dudley more than Peter Cook. I don't know if it's a height thing, but it's a, I think it's a warmth thing. Yeah, yeah. I could right. see more of myself. In, in Ron and, and in people like that, you know, as opposed to the aloof, you know, that great thing in Bedazzled where Peter Cook is, is going, I want to be alone, and the other one, love me, love me. I, you know, I was never a I want to be alone guy. So I gravitated more to Ron. So I met him at that, and I, you know, I do remember. Funnily enough, one of my kids was going to be christened, and at the, you had to go to a christening class or something, and another another parent was related to Ron somehow and, and, and knew me because I'd done Marion and Jeff and him and I said, oh, oh, my uncle or cousin or something is Ronnie Corbett. I said, oh, oh. So we go to this thing and Ronnie Ann Kona, another Ronnie, introduced me to Ron, the two Ronnies. I thought, wow, this is exciting, you know, because I was a huge fan. And uh, Ronnie Corbett said, oh, now you're the, yes, he said, now you met my so-and-so, didn't you? Oh, wonderful. He said you were very nice. And I said, oh, that's lovely, lovely. And Ron, uh, Human Reigns had been out to some acclaim. You know, we, we'd won awards and things. And Ronnie Barker said, oh, yes, you're, you're, the, you're the chap from Human Reigns, aren't you? I said, yes. Yes, I've seen three of them. <laughs> and I thought, okay, here comes the compliment. And he said, you should tell that girl that does it, she shouldn't always play dowdy. 
straight on the phone to Julia. You'll love this. <laughs> so, so that's where I met, I met Ron. And then I was touring my Keith Barrett live show. And I was going to be at the Fairfield Halls Croydon. And they used to live in Addington, uh, near there. And I get told, Ron's asked for tickets. He's going to come. <gasps> ah, that's exciting, right? So this tour was going just fine. And we get there. I can remember it clearly. And I'm on the stage doing the sound check. And I'm thinking, oh, God, alive, Ronnie Corbett's going to be watching me. That's the, you know, the first time well-known people come to see you, it's a little uh, Billy Connolly came once and I didn't thank God I didn't know until after the show and I thought it was a dreadful show it was a Saturday night midway through the run in the West End Saturday nights can be tricky because it's the people's big night a Thursday or a Friday is better and I came off thinking that was a pile of poo and my tour manager used to call me sir he said sir uh, Billy Connolly was in tonight I went oh no anyway he he did like it but that's by the way Um, so I know Ronnie is coming right and I'm on stage, and I was nervous at the soundtrack, so to calm myself down, I told one of his jokes, you know, I said, my great-uncle Arthur was, uh, was, uh, died at the Battle of Little Bighorn. He said, <laughs> he said, he wasn't involved in the fighting, he was camping in a nearby field, <laughs> and popped over to complain about the noise. <laughs> and I told that on the stage, as the way to calm myself down. So, we get to the show, and I'm doing the show, right? And uh, yeah, I'm not great. My timing's a little off because I'm nervous, right? Yeah. And I'm nervous and I'm doing the gang. No, oh, it's not so good. And I get to a joke and thank God I can hear from the darkness. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, thank God for that. And then, every, then it went, okay. So after the show then, I had a lot of people there that night. There were people from like the DVD company. There were some people from the BBC. There were people from the uh, promoters. And then Ron and Anne, his wife, came into the dressing room. And, uh, and I end up just talking to Ron, you know. But people are looking over all the time. And we, got, we just hit it off. We got on really well. And I said, oh, I was so nervous. I said, you know, that in the, in the, um, in the sound check, I did that old joke of yours. Oh, which, which one? Which one? I said, the one. And I start telling it. And it all went quiet because people were going, oh. He's doing him to him. <laughs> and I said, my great uncle died about a little bighorn, and Ron's just watching like this. And I said, he wasn't involved in the fighting. He was camping in a nearby field. And then Ron jumped in and went and popped over and complained about the noise. <laughs> and he was lovely. And then I, I got to know him, and um, he came to our wedding. He came to my 40th uh, he, he, he was lovely, and Anne, his wife, and they would come to see me. He um, drove you in a golf cart so you could get. Well, to yeah, when my child. when Tom, my son Tom, was born, uh, it was the first child with Claire, my, with my second wife, and she it was nine. All my children previous to that had been late, so I said to Claire, "Look, there's no way." Uh, obviously my sperm they, they take their time right so so don't you worry so it was nine days before the due date and um, I played golf with Ron it was the only time I did and he had a house that backed onto the golf course in his own buggy it's like he had a bat cave you know and he would drive out to this <laughs> and we're playing and then Claire phones she said I think it's happening he goes well, we better get you home and we get into the buggy and, and we go home yeah and he was, he was lovely to me, and he would phone me up, you know, when he'd, yeah. when he'd seen me on the telly and say nice things. So, you know, nothing but, um, nothing but lovely memories. It's great. It's not, when it's lovely when that, that baton is passed down the generations, it's, you know, I think it's... But again, it's because he recognises the respect 
recommended. I remember saying, I said to Barry Humphreys, because a lot of the stuff I do in my live show and I'm talking to the audience is very, you know, from a template set by Barry Humphreys, and I'm sure before Barry, you know. And I said to him once, I said, oh, God, you know, so much of what I do when I'm talking to people in the audience, he said, he said, it's, I, I, I learned from you, really, thinking he might say, oh, what, what are you doing? I mean, what's it? And he went, it's wonderful that the that the someone is carrying the torch. Yeah. I thought, what a lovely, what a lovely... But I think, I find that in comedians. I think that, as you... We talked a bit about this to me backstage, but I don't see much of the cattiness and the bitchiness. I mean, I'm aware it's there, but I see in my circles a lot of supporting and, you know, and a lot of encouraging. And... Yeah, well, that's it. You know, I think mostly Tim Vine gave me that joke that I did before the show. And, you know, it's that you, you are trying to help each other out and make things better. And, yeah, everyone's working to some kind of formula. Even the people who are saying, this is a, here's the formula, they're, yeah. still, they're still using the same tricks. You yeah. know? So it's, it's you know, it's a, there's a te- technical thing to it. Mm. And I think mm. real comedians recognise when another comedian is... Mm. You know, if someone's, like, ripping someone off... Oh, that's different. different. But then I always say with that, I don't know anybody who would do that because the thought of... I used to do a bit about, oh, God, about, uh, um, what was it, leaving messages on answer phones or something? I mean, it's a pretty generic, you know, route one thing to do. And I did a thing about people's voices at the end of calls going, okay, see you later, bye-bye. And then I saw an advert for one of Michael McIntyre's DVDs and he was doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And clearly he'd done it before me. And my blood froze. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, this is going to look like... And maybe I had heard it. Because you know. don't know. Maybe don't it just know. got... But I think also, like, those observations... That's but I was mortified Yeah, yeah. That. But, that's what that, but anyone is... You know, if you go, you see it, you go, oh, I won't do it. Or if it's different enough, you go, you ask permission to do it. But that's... that's that's the thing, you know, that if you're doing that, that's why observational comedy is so hard, and that's why those guys who can yeah, do it yeah. are so great. Yes, because yes. you're trying to get things that common experiences, but that no one's expressed yes, before. So, yes. you know, you're all looking in the and same place. And that's how you express it the economy, that's what Michael is. Yeah, yeah. And he gets flack in, in some quarters, but my God, you know, he's, he's, his ability to take something and. Uh, and, and, and crystallise it and communicate it with incredible economy to a massive range of people is, is stunning. I used to have a bit about... Uh, there was this bit I had, and I could never... I could, it would fly maybe twice out of seven or eight times, you know, and I didn't know why it would fly when it did. I couldn't work it out. I remember telling him about it, and he was, oh, that's wonderful, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful thing. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? And I said, well, I, I, I can't make it work. He said, oh, can I, can I, can I? I said, because yeah, he is not, you know, well, anyone could have had the thought. And I don't know if he has gone on to do it, but I, I have no doubt that he would communicate that just, you know, brilliantly. Yeah. brilliantly. Yeah. He's very... Very, very hard man to follow, which no one has to do anymore, thank God, because he just does his own things. But he yeah, was, he was yeah. ter- absolutely, he did compare a lot, and he was so good, it was difficult for any of the acts to. Yeah. And yeah. everyone loved him so much as well. But you know what? The other thing about him is he's, uh, his work ethic is, is, my God, does he work, yeah. you know? I remember when he was hosting the Royal Variety one year, he told me how many warm up gigs he'd done. It's like 30 something. If I ever hosted the Royal Variety, <laughs> I'd spend an afternoon with some writers. Choose the ones I liked and give it a shot. <laughs> and I know I'd end up doing Ronnie Corbett. <laughs> well, look, I would love to talk to you more. Maybe we'll, if you would like to come back another time and we'll see. But, I'd love uh, to, is I've really yes, enjoyed this. It's been really good fun having you here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give a massive round of applause, Rob Ryder! You have been listening to Raha Lastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Rob Bryden. The music is, as always, by Pest. 
Thank you to everyone at Acast, everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, and everyone at Go Faster Stripe for all their help in producing these wonderful podcasts. I'm indebted to my producer, Gwyn Reese Davis. Uh, he's uh, and Ben Walker is also off doing something else. He likes his other podcast, but he'll have done some editing or something. So well done to him, the idiot. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Uh, why not go to rahalastaba.co.uk to find out all about upcoming gigs, how to become a monthly badger and help us make more of these and get ad-free podcasts if that's your thing. Uh, and lots of more, more stuff, richtowning.com slash gigs if you want to see where I'm coming with this podcast in 2019 slash 2020 slash 2021. We'll see if the world gets that far. Bye. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.